why don't you try to sell them? So he started to sell them in his own neighborhood and people started buying them. Then he went into the next town and people started buying them. And then you eventually, that's basically how the, the troll doll that we all know. It started becoming very, very popular. So he set up a company called Made for Damn Things. And he started making these dolls become rubber and, you know, using, you know, different materials for them and exporting them throughout the world. Hi, this is Anita from the Global Trade Gal. Recently, I had the opportunity to go to an, an exhibition at the Milwaukee Art Museum. And the exhibition was about Scandinavian design, and in particular, how Scandinavian design had influenced American design from 1890 to 1980. This was an exhibition that had been in uh, throughout Scandinavia, in a couple museums there, in Los Angeles, and in Milwaukee. And there were a couple of things that were really interesting about this exhibition, some things that I will be talking about this entire month of July. The first thing I want to talk about is the troll dolls. And if any of you were like me, you might remember when you were young, you had those funny looking troll dolls or kind of like the ugly looking things that were plastic and they've got that funky hair that goes up. They were very popular in the 70s. And um, today there are you know people who still collect them and, and love these troll dolls. But it was really interesting for me to be able to learn and understand the history behind these dolls. I feel like these troll dolls have a very, very interesting history. They were actually invented by a man by the name of Thomas Dam, and he was Danish. And his story begins with that of adversity, like many great stories begin. As a baker, he was facing economic challenges after World War II. There simply was just not enough flour for him to be able to run his bakery. So he started to look for alternative ways to support his family, alternative types of work. He needed to be able to find flour to run his bakery, and he honestly just could not find enough flour. So it was at this moment of despair when he was working these odd jobs and trying to feed his family that he'd come home at night and he'd sit in front of the fire somewhere at a kitchen table and he'd start carving these little wooden dolls. And he, you know, kept carving them and his kids enjoyed them and his kids loved them. And then he started carving more of them and his wife said, why don't you try to sell them? So he started to sell them in his own neighborhood and people started buying them. Then he went into the next town and people started buying them. And then, you know, eventually that's basically how the, the troll doll that we all know. It started becoming very, very popular. So he set up a company called Made for Damn Things. And he started making these dolls become rubber and, you know, using, you know, different materials for them and exporting them throughout the world. He established this factory in Denmark, but soon he had factories that were spanning throughout the entire globe. You know, the, 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 the pricing and the strategy of the troll dogs included accessories and they made them not just toys, but they also were collectibles because they had cute little, you know, clothes on them. They were, they were vibrant. They had like really funny hair. They were great right into the spirit of the 1960s. They were, you know, became this great cultural icon. They, they tapped into this uh, fascination that people were feeling in the 1960s, maybe kind of a little bit of a, you know, some type of uh, rejection to some of the norms, the things of life. In fact, it was so popular that um, prominent figures like President John F. Kennedy and the first, um, uh, you know, Lady Bird Johnson, they were actually, you know, people that really 
you know, they, they, you know, they had these dolls in the White House, and so that just whole added to the culture of the dolls. Um, despite the popularity of them, Dam, you know, faced challenges. Competitors in the United States began to see how popular these dolls were around the world, and so they began to take advantage of a copyright law gap or loophole. And so they started flooding the market with cheaper knockoffs. And, you know, so this began to change this entire uh, toy trend where, where Dam wasn't able to essentially compete on his own designs in a market like the United States and even other parts of the world because of this copyright law or this copyright loophole that had happened. So he began to be, have financial struggles. At the same time, the prominence of these troll dolls began to dwindle in the toy industry. So there's a couple things that sort of happened here. One is that he had these dolls that he was making. They were kind of a bit of a collector's. They were unique. They were this, you know, wonderful type of item. And then people in the United States saw this need for that there was a copyright loophole that they could do. So they started making knockoffs, essentially, and flooding the market with a cheaper version. What happened is his factory closed down. He basically ended up without a business, even though he is known to be the designer of these troll dolls. I really thought that this was a very interesting story because it's sort of an interesting story about the challenges that this man faced after uh, World War II and not being able to find flour to be able to, to have his bakery. But at the same time that he you know, basically built this brand of these troll dolls you know, and that he built not only a brand, but he had them that, you know, people saw them as symbolizations of luck, laughter, and they're this, you know, fascinating bland, blend of cuteness and charm. But yet at the same time, he was able, you know, because of the, because of the copyright laws, the market got flooded and he, his, he essentially lost his business. So he went from making this cultural icon that was made throughout the world to essentially no longer having a business or industry that survived. And this really is kind of a lesson on number one, why copyright laws are so important around the world. And two, on what can happen when people in the global trade industry, they start to see some of these loopholes and they start to see things like this and they take advantage of them and essentially how it can destroy a brand like it destroyed this brand of the troll dolls. It is, it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a sad story, but at the same time, it's a story that we can all learn from, a story about why it's so important that if you have something that's unique, that you want to sell into the market, that you take the time and you make sure you have the trademarks and the copyrights and everything in place for the place you're going to sell them. If, if Dam had done that, if he had before he ever sold one doll into the United States, if he'd made sure that he had all the copyright, all the legal things done, he probably would have been able to protect his industry, his industry protect his business to some degree and would not have allowed all these cheap knockoffs or copies to come in. But, but since he didn't do that, then he ended up losing out. And in fact, eventually, because of the trends that happened to, he lost his own his business. The other thing that we learned from this story, too, is that many things like these troll dolls or other things like this are cyclo. In other words, they, they are trends. 
And when the trends hit the high, everybody wants them. You know, companies gear up, they produce them. Maybe people start to knock them off. They do the cheaper versions. And then suddenly nobody wants them anymore. I remember many trends like this. You know, everything from, you know, the Cabbage Patch dolls that happened a long time ago in the toy industry. You know, too, there were many things like this have been cyclo that just keep going with the trends. So they come, they go, and then it, maybe it will come around again. Maybe there'll be one day where people want these troll dolls again because they'll think they're kind of cool. They'll think they're nostalgia. They'll think that they're, you know, kind of back from the 1960s. So it's all, it's also a lesson to be learned, too, about being able to ride those trends and to be able to something coming next and the other thing is that his company only had the troll dolls they didn't have anything else and so they did all this expansion all these factories around the world and when the trend stopped they just didn't have enough to support it i really found that this was a fascinating story i've written a blog about this about troll dolls and thomas dam and the made for damn things establishment i'll put a link below in the um in our description if you'd like to be able to read the blog post and see you know, some examples of some of these dolls and, and some of them from this exhibition itself. It really is a great story, but a sad story at the same time. This is Anita from the Global Trade Gal. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this. If you've enjoyed it, give us a thumbs up, subscribe, become part of our community. We'd like to thank those who help make it possible, especially Rico helps put this together. And thank you, you, our listeners. We do appreciate you. We know without you, this would not be possible. Mm-hmm.